Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Sound of Andros' show as I speak. It's Thursday, August 4th, 2022. That's the day I'm doing this recording. So if you're listening five years from now, you'll know. In fact, you go, Ben, what was the headlines in the newspaper the day you did this recording? Well, it's a great question. I will now answer it from today's uh, Chicago Sun Times. I'm delivered as always. Uh, Give a shout out to Nader Issa, does an outstanding job, in my humble opinion, covering uh, public education in the city of Chicago and has been a guest on the Ben Jarowski show. I probably have to bring him back sooner, uh, soon enough, because I love talking school issues with Nader. Anyway, here is the headline, which is very apropos to the conversation I'm about to have. Headline in today's uh, Chicago Sun-Times, laid off CPS librarian finds new home and mandate at King College Prep. And there's a picture of the librarian who was laid off. Uh, And without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself, and then you will immediately see the correlation between the article that I just cited and today's conversation. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Nora Wiltsey. I am the new librarian at King College Prep in Kenwood in Chicago Public Schools. All right. That means she was the one that was laid off at the other school. Yep. You, you got that figured out, listeners? <laughs> All right. Uh, before, before we go any further, uh, Nora is a, an employee of the Chicago Public Schools. She's a librarian for the Chicago Public Schools. Uh, and so I just want to say this. Uh, we live in a country, and I'm, I'm, I'm making my address to Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, we live in a country where people have the right to free expression. You have the right to free expression, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, so please allow Nora the right to free expression, okay? She's going to speak her mind on the issue of libraries, the importance of librarians, uh, and public education. I'm, I say this. I, I shouldn't feel compelled to say that a teacher or a librarian uh, have First Amendment protected rights, except I just witnessed an attempt by the Chicago Public Schools to fire two teachers from Washington High School on the far southeast side of Chicago because they exercised the First Amendment right. They cooked up some cockamamie reason. 400-page report, Nora. 400 
page report. I'm not making this up, Nora. They put the, I haven't seen the report, but I read it in the bright one, and I believe everything I read in the Chicago Sun-Times, particularly the data wrote it. They said there was a 400-page report. You tell me. Who's got time to write a 400-page report about two teachers on the southeast side? You know what? I think they actually just probably you know, cribbed it from Wikipedia. I'm just saying, Nora. Anyway, neither here nor there. They came up with a 400-page report, and ultimately uh, all the things that these teachers did wrong when effectively they were punishing for speaking their minds, uh, and then the Board of Education and its infinite wisdom, thank you, board, voted not to fire the teachers. So it was like sort of a happy ending, I guess. Uh, but anyway, what I'm saying, let's not go through this again. Okay, Mayor? Let's just let Nora have her First Amendment protected rights. All right, Nora, I had to do that. And uh, I feel really bad that that's the situation, but I have to do it. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's go. Let's tell the story of uh, your life as a librarian, uh, what happened to you, and why you think librarians are so important. So let's just start with the top. This is your first time on the show. Introduce people to you, Nora, uh, and talk about your career uh, as a librarian uh, in the Chicago Public Schools. Sure. Um, I started in 2003 and taught in West Englewood. Um, then I taught in Pilsen and then moved um, closer to where I was living in North Center. So I've been at three schools, um, many, many, many CPS CEOs during that time. Um, and when I started in CPS, there were over 400 librarians for about 500 schools and that was an issue because we knew at that time, um, just like today, that the majority of the schools that did not have librarians were on the South and West sides in majority black and brown schools. Um, but it remained pretty much at that level um, where we could have hired school librarians, but most schools did have them until the funding system changed in 2012 and we went to um, student-based budging and then since 2012 I've worked with a group of CPS librarians to try and advocate and um, bring awareness to the issue of the loss of librarians because it was rapid um, after that 2012 change and has continued to go downhill until today, we have about 80 schools, district-run schools, with school librarians. And those are far more likely to be in schools um, on the north and northwest side of the city, just kind of continuing that, um, that same disparity. And I've been speaking out about this issue a really long time. And then this last year, it was my turn to lose my job. And so I wanted to tell my story and give people, um, give people a way to personalize these cuts and see what it means to students every year when we have these cuts, even when um, the news from CPS is saying that um, they're giving lots and lots of additional funding to schools that isn't sort of, that isn't always what it looks like um, from the school basis. So I told my story and yeah, I don't know what else you want. I talk forever, but tell me where, <laughs> tell me where to go. Well, let's uh, break it down a little bit. So just one more time. Uh, when you started in 2003, how many uh, schools had librarians? You, you mentioned a number. Over I, I 400. 
over 400. And yeah. do you know how many schools roughly there are in the city of Chicago? Um, there's over 500 district-run schools. I think it's 515 or so, depending on how you're counting some of those charters. But over and 500. So now as we... As, as we speak, uh, at roughly 80 schools yes. uh, have yep. librarians. That's correct. Yep. Yep. All right, folks. So just think about that. So I'm going to do um, some really flashy mathematical work that will amaze all of you. Uh, that means over 400 schools do not have librarians. Um, all right. Uh, so Nora, explain uh, to a very skeptical public uh, why a librarian uh, is important uh, in a public school? Um, <laughs> reading hasn't changed. Um, so even though we tend to think that there are iPhones in everyone's hand and everything is online, um, learning to read hasn't changed. The fact that students need to read and um, continue to have that skill as their scholars all the way up through their education um, so that part really, kids still need books. Um, it's, <laughs> I know that most of your listeners know this, but, um, I need to say it because there are people out there that, um, that, you know, think that isn't as big a deal in teaching children. And it's just, it's as big a deal as ever. We need libraries with books in them. We need, um, we need those books to circulate, but then there's also, um, Another aspect of what school librarians do is teach critical thinking skills and what we call information literacy, which is how to do ethical research, how to find credible sources. And so in that sense, it's almost more important now because we have so much information at our fingertips at all times. Um, so students might know um, how to use a Chromebook or an iPad, but they don't automatically know how to filter the information and the, the things they're seeing online. So when they ask a simple question um, to a search engine, they might not have that background knowledge. They might not have um, the skills that we've learned to recognize what's accurate and what's false. And those things do need to be taught and librarians teach that from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade in CPS. Those are a couple uh, I would just, reasons. Yeah, those, those are great reasons. I'll just say, I, 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 for this purpose of this conversation, we're talking about children, but I know a lot of my baby boomer friends, they put stuff on Facebook. I'm like, do you, really, do you even know what you're putting on Facebook? I bet I saw it on Facebook. And it'd be some like some <laughs> dumbass article written, published in some whacked out, not even credible, vaguely credible source, you know, and they're putting it out there like it's real. So I think there should be librarians for adults. That's, yeah. you know when what I'm, I mean? It's When I'm talking to middle schoolers about this, I definitely say, like, this isn't something that, that I'm teaching you because you're 12. Because <laughs> if I could teach adults this, I would. And we've seen, you know, in the last several years of our democracy, that's another thing I tell them, you know, we, we live in a democracy, we're all, we all have to have information to vote for the rest of our lives. So even for, for no other reason, we need to be able to um, take information and 
and figure out what's valid. And I think I, I do tell them like adults do that. Adults are really bad at this too, but you guys going forward should know better. But absolutely. By the way, as we speak, uh, uh, the Alex Jones trial, which I will refrain from a discourse on, uh, is where I think they're in the defamation uh, portion of the trial. Alex Jones, of course, the blowhard that for years made millions of dollars off of suckers and saps. He just put out all kinds of BS. <laughs> I don't, none of it vaguely uh, true, or maybe a kernel of truth here and there. Uh, and uh, just think of the millions of people without critical thinking just absorbed it without thought, you know, and made him a rich man. But uh, I really think, too, I mean, we have we have more critical thinking, we have more research skills because we've gone through school. Um, and, but I do think, I mean, there's the algorithms and the purpose of social media has been pretty clear about um, narrowing our scope of what we see and getting us to click on things that we agree with. And so we're also combating not just sort of human nature with confirmation bias and things that we need to teach about, but also, you know, we, we have to actively fight what companies are thriving on, which is the division and the disinformation as well. That's a good point. So just I'm, I'm just going to pat myself on the back here. Uh, Nora, I make a point. <laughs> I read. <laughs> my blood boils. But I tr you'd be very proud of me. I read columnists that I completely and utterly disagree with just in the notion that maybe this is the day. They have something. <laughs> Every day I wake up, I got faith in my fellow columnists. Okay? Now, by and large, they disappoint me, but I'm trying to keep that mind open so uh, I just don't read stuff that goes, yeah, I believe in. All right. You said something earlier. We got to go backtrack. Now we laid out why librarians are important. Um, I know the powers that be in the city of Chicago don't agree with me on this, why librarians are important. I would argue that the powers that be in the city of Chicago, this is me speaking, uh, not Nora, so please don't punish her for what I say. Uh, like a dumb, man, they like their constituents dumb, easier to control that way. All right, that's me speaking. I apologize for that. Um, so you said something about uh, school-based funding, uh, which is uh, education jargon uh, that rules the Chicago public schools and uh, it goes back to roughly 2012, I think is the date you said it. I think that's accurate, actually. Um, so if you can, uh, please explain uh, school-based funding and the impact it has on things like libraries. Go ahead. The, the funding model um, pre-2012, you would take the number of students that you had in a school, divide by 25, and you would receive that many positions for your school. And then you would also receive um, kind of like a standard base of um, staff, which would be principal, clerk, PE teacher, librarian, counselor. So you'd have kind of like a basic package and then you would receive the classroom positions that you needed. Um, and that was changed to student-based budgeting, which means Instead, each school is now going to take the number of students they have, and they're going to get an individual dollar amount per student. And that change came with budget cuts as well. Um, so there was no librarian 
as a given, but this was called principal autonomy. So principals could now take the dollar amount from each student, pay for the, the classroom teachers that they wanted, and then decide sort of with that extra money what programs they wanted in their school. So ideally, this is, I mean, it's kind of exciting, right? You can choose to have a fine arts school with maybe a really well-funded drama program, and a school down the street can have a really well-resourced language program with many languages offered. Um, but this is all within the context of not enough funding and budget cuts from what we had had in the schools previously. Um, so what that meant was in five years, we lost half of our librarians that we had. Um, because if a school has um, an experienced teaching force, which we know in the profession of teaching, just like any other profession, you get better as you have experience, um, those teachers cost a lot more money to that school all of a sudden. And so it, it right away became beneficial for principals to um, hire brand new teachers, um, try and ease out more experienced teachers, and there wasn't enough room left over for a librarian in many, many, many schools. And the reason we didn't all lose librarians is because um, for a long time now, we've had fundraising at a lot of schools um, to supplement our budget from downtown. And so I have been the last 14 years at a school where the parents were able to supplement what um, we got from the district. And I was, yeah, it was a very well-resourced school, but that's not the case for most of the schools in Chicago. All right. Uh, so let's just break apart some of the things you said. That was an excellent explanation. Yeah, you get an A+. Plus. Uh, and um, I'm a very easy grader. Probably should have only been an A, but I gave you the plus. Uh, so just think about why we need librarians and to teach people critical thinking skills, folks. That was on display. Because the official explanation, uh, as Nora correctly uh, said, from the people that run the city of Chicago and the public schools is that this was principal autonomy. <laughs> that in Chicago, that right there shows how much critical thinking uh, skills need to be developed in the city of Chicago. Because if anybody believed ever that Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who was the mayor at the time, correct, Nora? Mayor Rahm Emanuel implemented something like uh, school-based funding because he wanted to give more power to the principals then they believe Mayor Rahm Emanuel when he swore up and down that he didn't know what was on the Laquan McDonald tape until uh, the judge forced him to show it to the public. In other words, they feed you BS all the time, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here in the city of Chicago. I am uh, going to refrain from a long uh, dissertation on this one. Uh, but critical thinking skills are really uh, in critical need uh, when you want to analyze the Board of Education and the, the, the explanations given for the things they do. Uh, and you're absolutely uh, correct, uh, Nora. This was just a way to cut funding, in my humble opinion, uh, because as population dwindles, if you tie it to the number of kids in the school as opposed to the, the number of uh, uh, slots you have uh, to, uh, to fill with teachers, then it's just as the kids fall, you got to get rid of teachers. So then you have to say, well, am I going to have a third grade teacher or am I going to have a librarian? And uh, I remember a lot of librarians doing a lot of stories, Nora. The librarians would be said, okay, 
uh, it then gets a seniority in some cases. So a librarian, they would tell the librarian, okay, you now have to teach fourth grade. And so they would fire the fourth grade teacher who was, had less seniority than the librarian, move the librarian to teach fourth grade. Nobody would be in the library to run the library. They would only use the library if Mayor Rahm needed a backdrop for a press conference. So they would like use libraries for the backdrops of Mayor Rahm's press conferences because Mayor Rahm figured that everybody in the city of Chicago, despite their lack of critical thinking skills, would understand that if he was standing in a school library, they'd know it was a school. They would recognize it. So he has no, you know, has a great disregard for the intelligence of Chicago people, but he figures that if he's in the school library, they'll know he's in a school. Nora, help me with this one. Help me with this one. Go ahead. When, when um, those teachers were moved to classroom positions, um, and this happened in almost every high school in the city, I think we lost all but 20% of our librarians in the high school very early on, and now we're down far lower than that in high school numbers. But So those librarians would be moved to a different position within the school, but they never announced, they, they kept librarian in many cases on a website or in a budget because now all of a sudden you have a system where if you lose students, you're going to have less money to have um, things to attract students and then this cycle. So you didn't want to let anybody know you didn't have a librarian because then you might lose more students and then you wouldn't be able to have the arts program and then you'd lose more students and then you wouldn't. So um, it just became this cycle. And that's sort of even what we're seeing now with, um, with me losing one position and gaining another position um, being bounced around because of numbers and small fluctuations in numbers. But yeah. Uh, so explain that one to me. Let's elaborate a little bit. So many times when I have this conversation with my friends of the centrist persuasion, and I do have friends who are centrists, uh, and they'll say, well, Ben, you know, you're kind of exaggerating. Um, libraries are not that important. Uh, and, you know, it's not as, they're not as important as, like, say, a first-grade teacher or a second-grade teacher or a third-grade teacher. Uh, it's, I'm not, I, you know, that's kind of the response I get from uh, a lot of these centers, by the way, send their kids to uh, private school where they're librarians, art teachers, drama teachers, et cetera, and so forth. So somehow or other, it's not that important for Billy Bob down the street in the public school, but Susie, Susie Q, daughter, it's important for her. Uh, do you ever get that response? You know, you've taught at schools all over the city, South Side, North Side, Pilsen. Uh, have you ever had a response from parents that I don't even know why we bother with a library or are most parents uh, understanding of the need to have a library? Oh, I've definitely gotten that response. And I think it says a lot about what we've come to expect and what we think we deserve in CPS for what I guess what we think our students deserve, really, because as long as I've taught in CPS so 20 years, the mayor's children have always gone to a school with a librarian. So if libraries aren't that important, why do they do press conferences in the library every single time? If libraries aren't that important, why does every politician have send their students to a school with a library? And the thing is, is I think what people are leaving out is libraries aren't that important for everyone. And that's really tough. That's the hard thing about teaching in CPS because in the suburbs, they have librarians. And it's, it was a norm pre-2012. 
So I think this scarcity mentality of just, you know, all the examples that um, the board uses when they talk about the reshuffle of positions and everything, you know, it's just, you kind of have to shake your head and say, wait a second, why is, why is this so crazy to have for our students when we very easily talk about spending money on soldier fields and you, you, you know, you talk about these things all the time. And I, I just, I think it's, what's missing is those kids don't really need a librarian and that's false, right? And in our city, it's also racist because of the students that we have, the students that we teach in CPS. The majority of the, the students in the, are, are, are you saying are, are black or Hispanic? Uh, that's Yeah, the majority of CPS students are black and brown. Yeah. All right. So uh, the interesting thing about your own uh, situation uh, was you used to teach, or excuse me, you used to be a librarian at Coonley on the north side, and now you got a job uh, at uh, King College Prep uh, on the south side. Shout out, by the way, to the principal uh, for hiring you. And... Um, uh, so one school benefits and <laughs> the other school doesn't benefit. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy for you, uh, that you got a gig and, uh, you're, you're going to get put, put your skills back to use and help people and help kids, et cetera, and help teachers. So it's, uh, it's really important, but what a weird situation, Nora, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like you said to me before we went on the air, it's kind of hard to say it's a real happy ending because the fact of the matter is there's only 80 schools out of 500 or whatever that have librarians. Right. I mean, I wanted to, to make my story personal and put my story out there so people could could see the impact of this. But at the same time, there's a danger to that because if you look at my story only and then say, oh, well, she got another job two months later, done. We're, you know, moving on. That was a happy ending. And um, when Nader, when I was talking to Nader Issa from the Sun-Times, he said, you know, what changes? And I said, nothing, nothing changes because we're... 650 students at King College Prep are going to have a librarian and probably for those students, it's going to be the first librarian in their um, years of education. And that's really exciting. And I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm very excited um, to move to a high school. I'm excited for a new challenge and um, to work for Principal Kelly, but we have 850 students at Coonley who have always had a librarian and now will not. And so we're working to try and rebuild and try and um, get the district to, to see that this should be something outside of student-based budgeting. Well, really we need to get rid of that funding, but we need to have a librarian as a given of this is what our students deserve in every school. Um, and what we're doing now is continuing to cut positions and then hope they'll get picked up somewhere else. So it, it's not, it's not a solution. It's a happy ending for, for me um, in this moment, but this continues every year and it, it's a lot of disruption to students. Um, I think, I think it was you I was talking to about just these long-term relationships that we have as a librarian with our students. So in Chicago, we have, you know, pre-K to eighth grade in one building most of the time. And so, we have long-term relationships 
um, that I don't think are considered in our funding formula and in the way things get moved around every summer. Um, we're told we're just moving teachers to where there are most, more students and taking teachers away from where um, that had too many. But first, no school was overstaffed. No school had too many staff before this. Um, but then it's not, it's not like cogs in a machine. So these are, these are relationships you have with students that are disrupted. Um, and then you also have careers that are being disrupted. And last summer, I know some of the librarians that lost their job, found new jobs, and they left for the burbs instead of taking those new jobs. I know two librarians in particular, because how much are you going to invest in that new school if you don't have security? So it's, yeah, it's not just as simple as allowing people to go where the principal hires you. It's, it's students' lives and students' educations that are affected. Uh, and I just do like to point out uh, something. Uh, everybody knows I was on the side of the teachers when they went on strike in 2019. So I'm not, I'm not, I can't hide it anyway. Uh, but one of the things that really, uh, <laughs> I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or yell and howl. I think I did all above. Uh, but when the teachers went on strike and they were striking for more things like nurses and counselors, et cetera, and demanding that uh, Lori Lightfoot and the Board of Ed put that in writing and not just make vague promises about it. Um, again, uh, my friends are the centrist persuasion. I'm not even talking about MAGA. You know, I mean, MAGA was not even a role in this. But it, it would be Democratic centrists would be telling me, uh, ben, come on now! Can't you like like I have a, like I have control over the, the board of the Chicago Public, uh, the teachers union. Ben, can't you get your friends over there to the teachers union to get in line? My kid has missed three days of school. Some centrist on the north side would be saying it. My kid's missed three days of school, Ben. I'm like, man, you took that kid out of school last year to take him on vacation. He missed a week. I didn't hear you crying about that, okay? Now now you just hate Stacey Davis Gates for some reason. I don't know why. Before that, you hated Karen Lewis. Don't know why. And uh, so now you're telling me, call up Stacey and tell her to get back at school. I always thought that was pretty funny. Uh, but the editorial in the Sun-Times, man, one of the lowest editorials I've ever seen in my entire life, and I've seen a lot of bad editorials, essentially told teachers, shut up and get take the money and go back to the classroom. The money they wanted you to take, Nora, was the salary hike that they were, uh, they were offering. And shut up about counselors and shut up about uh, librarians and, sh you know, shut up uh, about nurses. And I'm like, we could use a little more critical thinking for centrist Dems uh, and editorial writers. Cause like, what's the point of going to understaffed schools and just perpetuating these inequities that have existed for years and years? What just cause little Johnny will be on in a school building and not on the street. You're just going to like shove all these inequities under the carpet. Like I said, Nora, I don't know whether to yell, howl, rant, rave, <laughs> cry. Uh, but you're in the front lines with this one because librarians are not considered what? Essential employees in a public school. Am I correct on this? Yep. And I do think the Board of Education really, um, there are some members on the board that really value 
um, libraries and they believe it's not affordable. And I, I know that it is. I also think that, um, I mean, Mayor Lori Lightfoot ran, this was one thing she mentioned in her um, campaign was that she knew that so many schools did not have librarians. And she said that she wanted to put a librarian in every single school. So that tells me she knows not only that it's important, but she also knows that that resonates with voters and parents, right? I, I learned, I mean, Mayor Rahm learned this uh, in his first budget. And, and she just shows the world of the... <laughs> He, his first budget, I don't know if you were paying attention in those days to, uh, well, city budgets, uh, but he was he proposed to cut library funding. And there was a mini revolt in the north side of Chicago. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and, and Mayor Rahm, I know he was like, what the hell? They don't just go to Barnes & Noble like I do? <laughs> well, and do you know, um, Mayor Lightfoot has restored uh, many of those cuts that were um, cuts that were put into place in Chicago Public Library. And so I think that awareness is there. And now we just need to figure out um, the school portion. Of yes. It. Very good point. Very good. Excellent point. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I know you're listening. Let's treat the public schools like the libraries. I say this. I'm a big user of libraries. In fact, when, when we're done recording, I'm going to head over to my library. I got two books uh, waiting for me. Uh, and uh, so shout out to all the librarians. You know I love you uh, in the Chicago Public Library System. Uh, all right. Uh, so what are you uh, what are you going to do now? You got your you got your class. You got your gig. Got a gig again. Uh, you're going to be teaching high school kids. You're going to be working with high school kids. It's a it's a little different ball game uh, than uh, grammar school kids, obviously. Uh, uh, so you, you know you're pumped up, ready to go. So, what are you looking forward to doing? What are the what do you what are the challenges you, you expect to face, and uh, you know what books are you going to be recommending? Uh, all that good stuff. Yeah. I, well, I was thinking, um, you know, these last couple weeks before our um, before we go back, we go back before the students, but we have a couple weeks left, and I was thinking, like, this is, this might be the first time where I I'd be okay if the first day was tomorrow. I really I'm really excited to get to know the staff and then get to know the students. Um, so the problem um, with, li with library programs is, you know, it takes, takes money and investment um, as well as my energy. So that the collection that was there, they haven't had a librarian um, in over five years. I think, I'm not quite sure when they lost it. I'll find that out when I start working there, but the collection is now out of date and um, might have misinformation or might not reflect um, the students' needs. So I have to go in and find out if there's anything great that we can keep. But then I also need to fundraise to <laughs> build up the collection for student needs. Um, I think I started today by saying, you know, books haven't gone anywhere. Our students really um, need to have that habit and um, skill of free reading and reading for pleasure, as well as for academic. And then, um, you know, start working with the teachers and collaborating to bring classes into the library to um, support the research projects that those teachers have been doing all on their own. So now I can help um, tag team some of that and I'm ready. 
I'm ready to start the year. I really love high schoolers, so I think this will be a great new challenge. You, lo you love high schoolers, huh? Uh, <laughs> okay. I'll go bring you back in, in March and see if uh, – no, I'm just teasing. I, know, right? I raised a few high schoolers, coached a few, okay? <laughs> I love high schoolers easier. too. <laughs> it's much easier if you're not raising them. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little different. But uh, This one – yeah, go ahead. I did want to say, though, you know um, – this is another example to talk about of how, you know, this moving people around and the instability in the district is really harmful because um, I have Principal Kelly ready to invest and support me, but he doesn't know for sure how long he'll be able to afford me. The goal is to increase enrollment and having a librarian is really important to him. But we also know that there's not enough revenue right now given to the principals. And so, um, or not enough budget given to the principals. So um, I'm going to work really hard and hope that there is a long-term build of this program. Um, in the meantime, the program that I did build for years and years and years from nothing is now going to start scattering around the school. It's going to start going out of date. So it's just an example of how um, the resources at Coonley will now not, you won't be getting your money's worth out of that collection that we've invested in. Yeah. And then at King, we just have to hope that we can um, continue the program. No, it's, it's really twisted. I'm going to go off on another rant here. And uh, so this is me, not Nora. Uh, but just recently, Paul Vallis, who is uh, running for mayor of the city of Chicago, used to run the schools way before Nora was a teacher uh, for Mayor Daly. Now he's, he's found uh, his inner MAGA and he's just gone off the deep end on the MAGA end. Uh, he got, quote-unquote, political hot water for uh, attending a conference out in Naperville. Why he was in Naperville, I do not know. I, Paul, spare the excuses. There was no reason. You're running in Chicago, not Naperville. They don't get to vote in Chicago. You shouldn't have gone to Naperville. Spare me. The, I don't want to hear your excuses. So some nutcase MAGA group, I can't remember the name of them, something awake, which is funny because MAGA always mad at woke people, but their group is called awake. So right there, there's a contradiction. MAGA can use a little critical thinking skills. All right. So Pablo, uh, Paul Val Valles goes out there and then it turns out this, this group is militantly uh, hostile to gays and lesbians. Uh, and so like, oops, that's a third rail in Paul Valles' worldview. And so he like gives this apology for it. What's left unsaid and he should apologize for going out in front of this group. But Nora, what's left on I actually listened or read the uh, quotes he gave at the group. And he's all talking about what we need to do is establish charter schools as civil rights because we need more competition in Chicago. Oh, great idea, Paul Vallis. More competition in Chicago. That it's King versus Coonley in a death match to see who gets the librarian. I'm like, the stuff that... He apologizes for, I'm glad he apologized, but the stuff that he feels free to say is as bad, in my humble opinion, Nora, as the stuff that he felt compelled to apologize for. So I don't think Chicago will ever learn. I don't want to be really a downer, a Benny Downer here, <laughs> but I see this rhetoric and it's like, this is acceptable rhetoric. Look at the reality you're experiencing in Nora. You're going from one school to another. Now, the one school's got the library. The other school doesn't. I f don't feel too bad about Coonley because they got a re relatively well 
to do a group of parents that could probably fundraise to hire a librarian. But I guarantee you, 90% of the schools in Chicago don't have enough money to raise a one fundraiser, you know, with like a silent auction, you know, <laughs> uh, to f- have a librarian. But Paul Vallis' solution and the solution of, you know, corporate America is more competition and the losers lose <laughs> and the winners win the librarian. Nor is there a worse, more demented way to run a public school system than to pit one school against the other for the right to get the librarian? Well, I think it's pretty common. Like you said, he's not apologizing for that, right? He He's right out there. And there's a lot of politicians that that say that a lot. They say competition, you know, is is good for everything. Competition, even, I mean, frankly, race to the top was a competition. Um, but it's not, yeah, it it's not the same. And I don't know, I, I mean, we we know that these that people that are saying that are not um, experienced educators with thirty years in the system, right? It's it's awful to be thinking about students that way. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. All right, now uh, I'm going to close with a little curveball. I'm going to throw at you. You're unprepared for. I'll go first, and that'll give you time to think of an answer. So, uh, yes, Nora's a librarian, so we're going to have a Nora's book club, and she's going to recommend a book for all you listeners uh, to read. I'm going to go first, uh, and I'm going to tell you, I just finished reading a novel uh, called The Descendants, and uh, it was the source of a movie called The Descendants starring George Clooney. And so I I happened to watch the movie the other day. I thought, oh, what an excellent movie. Uh, and I loved it so much. And uh, so I went into the library and got The Descendants out. And I just thoroughly enjoyed the book. Uh, the movie accurately uh, captured just the feel, the tone of the book. But it's kind of apropos a little bit in some ways to what we're talking about. I already mentioned this in another conversation I had today, Nora. But uh, the the uh, protagonist of the story, the character who's played by George Clooney in the movie, uh, is struggling with raising his two daughters, one a preteen, the other a teenager. Uh, and this gets uh, into the issue of dealing with teenagers. And uh, he quickly realizes that all the things that he's trying to tell his kids not to do are things that he does. Uh, so they're effectively emulating him. And that's one of the great revelations of the book where he, he stops chastising them for like swearing because he swears all the time. You know what I'm saying? And he just starts rethinking about how his behavior helps shape the behavior of others. That's one of the sub themes of the book. And I really uh, treasured that book um, uh, immensely and I enjoyed it. So I urge everybody go to your local library and uh, check out the descendants. So that's my offering uh, for Nora's book club. Uh, do you have an offering that you would like to suggest? Could be a child's book, uh, youth, young adult book, adult novel, whatever you want. Go ahead. Um, yes. And it's hard to pick one. Can I do a fiction and a nonfiction? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So one that is not brand new, Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism in You by Ibram X. Kendi. Um, it's, it has a young adult version with Jason Reynolds that is just wonderful. And, um, I don't think the young adult, I I think the young adult book is for adults as well. Um, it's terrific and talks about the origins of racism that was calculated, 
um, and continuing. And then my favorite book that I read last year, this one isn't a brand new one either, but The Firekeeper's Daughter by Angeline Boulay um, is a YA, young adult, adult crossover. It's, um, it's a murder mystery, but it's set on um, a native reservation in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan on Fire Island um, in Sault Ste. Marie. So I'm from Northern Michigan and was it was fascinating. Um, the native culture is really important. It's almost like an additional character in the book and a really great mystery and um, story that keeps moving on top of that. I loved it. I am going to go get that from the library. Uh, the Firekeeper's Daughter. I love uh, novels. At, at my advanced age, I've pretty much stopped reading nonfiction, which is bizarre because I've spent my whole life writing it. Uh, and I'm just a novels guy. And I love, uh, I'll read Young Adult as well. So I'm going to check that out for the library or at least reserve it. Uh, and then we may have to do a follow-up, make this a regular show, uh, Nora's Book Club. I'm really liking this okay. idea. Uh, Bring it on. Yeah, it, <laughs> I haven't read the sentence yet, so I'm going to... Have you seen the movie? Uh-uh. Oh, no. it's excellent. Both the flick is excellent. George Cooney... Uh, yeah, George Cooney. I almost call him Cloon, uh, uh, Coonley, uh, like your high school. Uh, <laughs> right. And uh, it's just uh, so... He just does a great job of playing the beleaguered uh, father uh, whose wife is dying and he's he's got business problems and his kids are driving him insane and he's dealing with it all at once. And I, he just does a great job. Uh, it's a great, and, but then, as I said, the, it began with a book. Uh, yep. and, uh, usually does. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, all right. Uh, Nora, thank you very much. Congratulations on getting the new gig. Uh, thank you, uh, thank principal you. Kelly, uh, for, uh, for hiring Nora. And I hope the children of uh, Coonley get a new librarian. Uh, so we have a semi-happy ending there as well. Uh, so thank you very much for coming on the show, Nora. All right, very good. That's Nora. I'm Ben. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.